0: A well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. We're going to be talking with my friend Laura Carno from Faster Colorado here in just a minute. Glad that she could carve out some time for us today because she has been very busy. There have been a lot of school districts around the state of Colorado that have been reaching out to Laura saying, all right, listen, how do we have armed school staff in place? We want to have this, um, you know, when our kids go back to school, maybe at the end of this year, but uh, certainly by uh, next fall. So we're going to be talking with Laura about that here in uh, just a moment or two. But before we do that, here's something we really have to think about. What's happening with the banks? It's literally crazy. Can you imagine what this is going to do to the retirement savings of America? Now, I want to tell you what I've heard from Augusta Precious Metals. Gold buying is on fire right now because people want gold IRAs to protect their retirement savings. And get this, if you have 100000 plus saved for retirement, Augusta will pay you in pure gold to learn how gold IRAs can protect you. That's a big deal. A pure gold coin for free. Reach out to Augusta Precious Metals today and learn how you can get started with gold. Don't let bank failures get you down. Get this free gold coin and get some peace of mind. Just call 855-222-4997 to learn whether gold can help protect your retirement and get your free gold coin. That's Augusta Precious Metals at 855-222-4997. Again, 855-222-4997. All right. So let's uh, start our conversation with Laura Carno from Faster Colorado. You know, uh, Laura has been a guest on Cam & Company untold times over the years. I'm always glad when she can spend a few minutes with us, particularly when we're talking about this truly life-saving effort to protect students uh, across the state of Colorado. Take a look and a listen. Laura, thanks so much for carving out a couple of minutes today. I know that you're extremely busy right now, which is yeah. a good thing um, yeah. considering what it is that you are focused on right now. So for folks who, at this point, I can't imagine there are many in our audience who are not familiar with Faster Colorado, but can you explain a little bit what Faster Colorado is all about?
1: Yeah, so we're going into our seventh training year already, and um, we train um, armed school employees in Colorado. So these are schools that the district has said, um, you know, we're passing this policy of armed employees, and they need to get training, and we provide what I think is world-class training Uh our instructors are all active duty law enforcement instructors and SWAT guys, and they're just a, a really great bunch of instructors. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's been going crazy this year, and um, I'm I'm glad more people are interested in pursuing these policies.
0: Absolutely. Um, and I think the last time that you and I talked on Cam and Company, you said that one of the things that you had noticed was that Faster Colorado, a lot of the interest at first was from rural school districts, maybe smaller charter schools. But this was probably eight or nine months ago, I think, the last time we had you on, which that's my fault. But uh, (laughs) you had said that you were starting to see more interest from uh, bigger school districts, suburban school districts, districts that maybe already had school resource officers in place, but they were looking for that additional layer of security. So who's reaching out to Faster Colorado right now?
1: Yeah, and and I think that maybe that was right after Uvalde when we had our, our big uptick then. And I'll tell you, after Nashville that uptick is maybe three times the Uvalde uptick. It's been absolutely nuts, um, but yeah, you're right. We were hearing from um, bigger schools. Then um, this is kind of everybody all over the place. It's it's more rural schools. It's um, more charters. Um, fewer of the um, you know ma- the mainstream size school districts. Um, um, you could say, but um, but it's been interesting because there was an, an incident at Denver. Um, East High School in the Denver Public School District. And all of a sudden, parents who have been very silent in, in Denver Public Schools on safety um, flipped their lids and have formed this organization, um, Resign DPS, to ask all of the school board to resign so they can rebuild the house. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think they're ever going to be interested in what we're talking about, but they are very concerned that parents have been left out of the loop and there is zero transparency that there was a kid who'd had firearms charges and was subject to a daily pat down so it's a uh, there's all kinds of uh, conversation boiling here
0: yeah well in in denver public schools had taken school resource officers out of the schools and i know right after that uh, shooting at east High, where the two staffers who were in charge of patting the student down uh were shot i, I remember michael hancock the denver mayor coming out and say, well, okay that was a mistake we need to have, you know, uh, uniformed officers back in school. So they're at least moving, it seems like, uh, reluctantly, maybe belatedly, um, back to a position of, okay, yes, it is good to have some sort of armed response. Um, right. uh, it is good to have some sort of law enforcement presence. And, and, and to be honest, I mean, the role of these armed school staffers is different than that of a school resource officer, right? right? These armed school staffers aren't out there conducting pat-downs. They're not there uh, to break up fights in the lunchroom. Uh, that's not part of their duties, right? Uh, They're they're there to serve as that first line of defense in case, God forbid, somebody comes on campus with murder on their mind.
1: Right. The the gap that they fill, and let's just use um, Nashville as an example, it took 14 minutes for law enforcement to get there in a metro area. Um, They went to work as soon as they got there, which was great. Um, But the question is, is when the shooting starts, between that time and when law enforcement gets there, whether it's 14 minutes or five minutes or whatever, who is going to save the children? That, it, it's just that gap. Um, but you're right. They're not going to be searching for drugs. They're not going to be doing anything like that. That's for school resource officers. Or if you don't have one, you would call 911. And um, in this last class that we just um, had over the weekend which was very cold by the way it was 20 degrees on the okay. range for the first day it was it was brutal the the class members were they toughed it to out i i was a i was the wimp but um um there was a um, a rural school that came through their sro came with them um and they had gotten some um uh, grant money to have a um, school resource officer part time in the school he came to the class um with the armed school staff members he is delighted to have backup he, he's number 1 just part time there it's a, it's a smaller rural sheriffs office um but even when he's there if something happens when he has stepped away gone to the restroom whatever then what um, so it's a there's some interesting uh, interesting conversations happening along those lines that it's not either or but there can be situations where it is all all of the above
0: and I want to talk a little bit more about the training because one of the um... One of the criticisms, and I think it's an unfounded criticism. But one of the complaints about armed school staff is, well, you know, listen. I mean, if you put guns in the hands of these teachers, and they're going to use that as the uh, as their only option, right? You're going to, you know, have these teachers whipping out guns and and banging away, uh, that, you know, uh, students who are, uh, you know, again, getting into trouble, things of that nature. Clearly, that doesn't happen. I mean, if, if there are right. you know hundreds of districts around the country that have armed school staff in place. We just don't see that. But the training that these safers go through, it's not just range time, right? It's not just how to respond with force. It's also on how to de-escalate situations that might arise.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. And um, I'll first say that with the media, um, present company excluded, if that was happening it would be front page every day forever. Yeah. So the fact that nobody's ever heard of it um, shows that it's not happening. and you know John Lott has done tons of research on um, on these programs and what's happening, what's not happening and the safety and that sort of thing. so um, so but yeah, you're exactly right on the training. Of course, there's firearms training they they are training to be armed on campus, but just like with law enforcement not every situation involves a firearm, not every situation involves drawing a firearm. And, and I just ask people, so, you know, the, and a, a common way that the ladies in the red shirts um, stated uh, at, at public meetings is, so what if a teacher just shoots a student because they have a dispute over grades? And I ask the question, is there a, a big problem with teachers punching kids in the face, because they have a dispute over grades. If teachers aren't pre, uh, resorting to violent reactions, um, then what makes you think they would resort to a violent reaction just because they have a different tool um, at, at their disposal. but we we teach a lot of de-escalation um, in in level one. I don't have the curriculum in front of me, but there's a, a, a bunch of time. And then in the subsequent uh, levels, um, every time we're doing, um, the force on force scenarios, every time we're in the simulator room, they're all shoot, no shoot scenarios. You have to make, um, very, uh, quick decisions on, is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? Is it a shot that I can take? Is it a shot I shouldn't take? Um, the, the simulator allows different branches for de-escalation versus scenarios that turn into something else. So yeah, there's tons of time spent on that cam.
0: What about the um, the people who are showing up for for this training? Is there a typical faster Colorado attendee, or uh, it, does it just look like a cross section of Colorado itself?
1: Yeah, I, I, I tell people it looks like everybody you'd run into in the grocery store who are probably armed anyway, because um, <laughs> so we do have some um, some good concealed carry laws here. For now, um, for, for now, now yeah. Th- thank you for now. <laughs> I know where I live, um, but. Yeah, I'll 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 give you some commonalities. Number one, they're people who um have been carrying a concealed firearm outside of work for, you know, years to decades typically. Um they're also um you know, some people say, well, you know, is this going to be like a cowboy shoot em up blah blah thing. And it uh it, it's so interesting because the public perception is so different. These aren't people who are you know let me show show you how it's done cowboy types they're quiet professionals that almost nobody knows as a concealed carry holder and and, and we keep running into um, conversations with superintendents when you know they start going through the process and they ask for volunteers and every time um when we say okay how many are you going to have and let's you know get your names registered and they say I never knew she was a concealed carry holder. I never knew he was a concealed carry holder, and, and that's great because these are the quiet professionals that go about their business, uh, happen to be concealed carrying, um, and nobody ever knows. That, that's really the um, what we're looking for, or what the schools are looking for, I should say.
0: Have you ever run across um, a circumstance where, like, a superintendent calls and says, "Okay, listen, I I, I want to you know get scheduled. I want to you know put me on the calendar," and then they call back and say? Laura, I'm really sorry, but we have not been able to find enough volunteers. Um, we just don't have enough you know, personnel that's interested in doing this. So we're going to have to cancel. Is is um, that a problem? Are we are the pool uh, of potential armed school staffers?
1: With the exception of one little tiny school, no. Uh, every superintendent has told me, you know, we thought we're going to need X number of people and we had X plus something. Um, and so they made a decision. Do we expand it to all the volunteers who go through the vetting and get get qualified and trained and so forth or do they say we only want this many now let's you know we when there's an opening um what have you there yeah there was one little school that um uh just didn't have anybody interested and they were sort of a a satellite of a, another school that was armed and um so it, but it surprised me because other than that every school that we've ever talked to um, has had so many people, so but that little school has passed the policy, um, and as they have any openings, they'll they'll be asking questions in the the interviews um, to see if those are people who potentially could help um, help protect students there.
0: Well, I guess that's the exception that proves the rule, uh, uh, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. So 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 what
0: what do you want people to know about Faster Colorado that I have not? Uh, ask about um, what 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 are people not getting uh, that that you see in Colorado? You know the 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 red-shirted moms. Um, what are other myths that need to get dispelled about this program and what Faster Colorado is doing?
1: Yeah, there, there's a a couple of things. Number one, um, I I like that you use the the language of armed school staff because it is all of the staff. Um, the language that we hear out there a lot is armed teachers. And yes, there are some of the armed folks who are teachers in a classroom. Um, but what we've seen is about forty percent of our students are teachers. The the rest are not tied to um, a, a room with with kids in it. And um, so, so I I almost think that there's a lot of people who say armed teachers that know that it's it's mostly not teachers um, that like to have that out there. So I'd like to say this is you know, janitors and coaches and bus drivers and um, superintendents and counselors and every position across this, the school we've, um, I think I've probably told you before we've even had a lunch lady and a school nurse uh, come through class. So, so it's, you know, lots of positions. The other thing is that people, a lot of people like to put out there that this is a terrible idea, terrible things are going to happen. And I'd like to say in the 20 or so years policy has been out there. Um, across the country nothing has happened now now we we look at all of the things that could happen, somebody getting a firearm from somebody, all of the different things, we look at all of that we talk about all of it in training we talk about weapons retention and deep concealment and all of those things if it was happening, if this was such a catastrophe, it would be all over the news and it, it just hasn't been because it hasn't happened mm-hmm.
0: What about, have you run into, and I know that, you know, again, you're more on the training side, but um, I ran across a story out of Mississippi a few weeks ago. They've got an armed school staff bill that is, uh, I guess, up for consideration. Um, And one of the talking points against it was, well, insurance companies aren't going to insure these districts. Um, So this is, you know, more of a theoretical than a a practical uh, measure. Has that been an issue for these districts in Colorado?
1: No, no. And it's a, it's an interesting point. Um, There are insurance companies that cover this. So traditional school districts in, in Colorado have a, a self-insurance pool that they all participate in. And that group, it's just a let us know how many, here's your new bill. And it's a thousand bucks a year per person, something like that. Charter schools have different insurance companies. So I've been able to see kind of that variety. So there are some insurance companies that say we're not covering that, um, but we also have a resource list for charters who might be with one of those insurance companies that say here are some that have worked with some of the armed charters. What's interesting, though, is in um, Ohio, where FASTER started, FASTER saves lives, and that's where I got the idea and brought it out here. Um, they don't, Their school districts don't have that big pool like we have here, so they have lots of different insurance companies. It's a little bit more, um, you can see the free market at work. Um, But when I was back there in 2016 at at a faster class, they had a kind of a a guy that works in insurance. That's a volunteer um, there that could talk to folks. He said that some insurance companies say yes. Some say no. Some say your um, premium stays the same. Some increased and some decreased premiums. I think once the market figures that out. Um, insurance companies are going to figure out, um, especially if, God forbid, there's a, a situation on one of these campuses where loss is uh, mitigated, mm-hmm. I think insurance companies are going to start saying, hang on a second, it's actually safer to have um, armed guards um, in the form of of um, school employees there because it's going to minimize injury and death. Um, so I think long term, that's what happens.
0: All right. Um, one last question for you, because uh, I, I, I'm sure you've talked with uh, uh, Dr. James Eric Dietz at uh, Homeland Security Institute at Purdue University um, at some point over the years. If you've not, let me put you in touch with him at, at some point in the future, because he's done a lot of research on armed school staff, um, and he believes that, uh, that they are a huge benefit. Um, but his research has said uh, or has suggested that the most effective way, the, quiet, the fastest way to stop a uh, an attack on school campus um, is to have a school resource officer who can go and engage that attacker, while you've got armed school staff who are sheltering in place with students in case that attacker breaches, you know, classroom door. I'm wondering, is there a standard tactic that is taught at Faster, Colorado, or is this up to the individual school districts to decide? you know what, we've got our school resource officers. Um, if there is an incident on campus, you know what, um, we want you teachers to, you know, stay in your classroom, let the school resource officer respond. Is this a case-by-case basis or is there a tactic or strategy that Faster Colorado recommends?
1: Yeah, so um, our guys teach a lot of different tactics and there are a lot of, it depends on what happens. So so let's just say in that example, Um, that if a school had had that preference that the school resource officer would engage, that is great if the school resource officer is there at the point of attack. Um, But what we know about these school killers is that they typically want to take as much innocent life with them as possible. If there is a school resource officer there, and we've seen this multiple times in the country, they don't start it right in front of the school resource officer. And they always know where he or she is because of the uniform and the car and all that. You know, that that's a a, not a bad tactic um, uh, to employ if that's where that happens. But what if um, it happens on the other side of the campus and most campuses with SROs are big um, and that's why they have an SRO. That's why they can afford an SRO. So if it happens at, at the opposite corner and as in Arapahoe High School, it took that SRO 46 seconds to get to the library who can we save in that 46 seconds before he gets there and so as we talked about you know 14 minutes earlier who who can save the children in that 14 minutes if it's 46 seconds um that that's a, a lot of kids could be harmed or killed in that time too so um so i wouldn't say um you know we're going to have a one size fits all tactic for everything because these situations are so dynamic
0: yeah that's a really good point Um, Well, listen, you were doing life-changing and life-saving work, Laura, and I'm glad to see that the response uh, around Colorado is so strong that the interest is there. Um, If folks want more information about Faster Colorado, how do they find it?
1: Uh, It's really easy, fastercolorado.com, and you can click there to contact me, and uh, there's lots of information and videos and frequently asked questions and all kinds of information. But if you're in Colorado, we'd love to talk to you. And um, we're actually talking to people in other states uh, to help them uh, as well. And so um, just w- let us know what, what we can do to help you. We're all in the same business of um, saving children.
0: Well, again, thank you for all you do. Thanks for spending some time with us today. And I promise it will not be uh, nine or 10 months before you have you back on the program. Okay? okay, that's a deal. All right. Thanks, Laura. Thanks. My thanks to Laura joining us on the program today, and uh, looking forward to having her back again very soon. Thank you for all of the work that she's doing as well. Um, Now let's get to our uh, Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, as well as our recidivist report. We'll start there with a, a case out of Austin, Texas. A Fox News reporting a Texas man convicted of attacking multiple women given, quote, lenient probation by the uh, George Soros back DA there in uh, Travis County, Antonio Cordero Rios, convicted of aggravated assault causing serious bodily injury, and injury to a child. But Fox 7 reports that during his sentencing on Tuesday, Cordero Rios' victims, who were packed in the courtroom, got to see a a judge hand down a a 10-year probationary sentence one of the victims of this case a woman named lynn isaac who was attacked by someone in a mask uh, last uh, june of 2021 her apple watch was able to track the length of time she struggled to fight off the perpetrator but she was ultimately told by the austin police department it'd be tough to find out who attacked her as uh, fox news reports the lack of assistance from the department came the year after the austin city council voted to defund the police by about a third of its budget which has uh, helped to result in a staffing crisis. The city council later forced by state law to restore the approximately $150 million that it had cut from the police department's budget, but by then an officer exodus was already underway. Uh, Fox 7 reports that without the police department's help, Isaac went on Nextdoor, which was a hyperlocal social networking site. Using the site, found out that other women had also encountered this uh, uh, suspect, and the victims were able to connect the dots themselves they found the make model license plate of the vehicle they created a map showing the locations of each incident and that ultimately led to Cordero Rios's arrest on Tuesday Fox 7 reports that Isaac was the only victim to say something to the newly convicted Cordero Rios uh, saying quote your sentence is too lenient you got off too easy for what you did I have no remorse for you I have heard no apology you are a monster and I don't forgive you for what you did to me Along with 10 years of probation, District Judge Karen Sage told Cordero Rios that he has to stay away from the victims. (laughs) Oh, great. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, And uh, register as a sex offender. Yeah. Um, His attorney, by the way, thanked the Travis County DA's office, saying that the uh, deal was reached with the DA's office after 16 months of negotiation and considering Cordero Rios' lack of criminal history prior to the multiple assaults here. Uh, as Fox News reports, Travis County D.A. Jose Garza has been criticized in the past for being tough on cops and soft on crime. Last year, he charged a suspect with a misdemeanor in connection with a fatal DUI crash, which led to a 10-day jail sentence. In February of last year, he obtained indictments against more than 20 uh, Austin police officers for actions taken during the uh, 2020 riots. And, you know, listen, I mean, as we talk about on this program each and every day, you don't need to have a prosecutor backed by George Soros. You don't even need to have a prosecutor in a deep blue liberal city like Austin to see these kinds of problems. The vast majority of cases in this country are settled by plea bargains. And in many cases, those plea bargains result in what I consider to be an injustice being done, where victims, again, are left frustrated, angry, disappointed, heartbroken, enraged by the lack of consequences for the perpetrators of these violent crimes. So yeah, we can talk about Jose Garza. But this is not a problem limited only to Austin, Texas. This is a problem that is endemic in our criminal justice system. By the way, slapping more gun control laws in the books takes us further away from a solution to this problem. Today's Armed Citizens story from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where uh, an intruder rushed a resident before he was shot multiple times on Monday night, a uh, shooting that police in Baton Rouge say was justifiable. Um, this was about 10 p.m. Monday night at a home on uh, Ontario Street. Authorities say that um, 37-year-old Lawrence Bajoy reportedly banged on the door of this home multiple times before the resident then opened the door to see what was going on. Bajoy then allegedly charged the resident and hit him before the resident shot him multiple times. The police did not specify whether there was a connection between Bajoy and the resident before this encounter, but uh, Herbert Trees, who lives nearby, says they feared for their life. I feel like that's what it was. Uh, police still investigating. They say they do believe that it was a justifiable shooting. Uh, Trees, who lives nearby, again says uh, there's always a better way to handle something. Well, I don't know about that. If you're being assaulted in your home, you have a right to be. And a stranger is beating you. You have the right to act in self-defense. I wonder if Herbert Trees would feel the same way if it was his door that was knocked on at uh, 10 o'clock Monday night. Uh, he said, "You know stuff's going on, but I never noticed anything bad about it till now." Well. Maybe wake up and smell the coffee, Herbert, because, uh, you know, look, while the odds are low that any one of us as individuals will become the victim of a violent crime, violent crime does happen every day, and there are random encounters where uh, random strangers brutally assault and sometimes even kill uh, innocent victims. So, uh, Herbert, um, you might not think anything bad can happen, but, uh, well, you'd be wrong. Uh, Today's Good Deed of the day in the right place at the right time, unable we to do the right thing. A couple of TSA officers at the Richmond International Airport in uh, Richmond, Virginia, Officer Nigel Allen and uh, Lead Officer Trenard Collier, uh, on the clock, on the job when they noticed a pilot collapse uh, there as he was getting ready to go through uh, the security line, um, apparently suffering cardiac arrest. Alan said, Trenard saw the pilot on the other side of the atrium and told me, I think that guy's about to pass out. I looked over just as the pilot fell to the floor. Yeah. um, He actually, you know, fell over his rolling bags before he lost consciousness, according to a statement issued by the TSA. That's when uh, Alan sprinted to the pilot's side, called for help, began performing first aid. Police and firefighters arrived and uh, started performing CPR as well, while Alan continued to assist the pilot and first responders. Um, Despite their efforts, At CPR, the uh, emergency escalated, according to WSA, in Washington, D.C., when the pilot's heart stopped beating and required extended medical intervention. That's when uh, Allen raced to retrieve an automated external defibrillator. Uh, They were able to use that machine to restart the pilot's heart and revive him. Once the pilot was revived, Allen and Collier cleared the area to give police and fire responders a further room to attend to the pilot. Um, Looks like the pilot is okay, is recovering. His family has expressed their uh, deepest appreciation for uh, Allen's help and uh, everyone else involved there. Um, Nigel Allen, by the way, has been a, a TSA officer in Richmond for four years, also pursuing a degree in uh, information systems at Virginia Commonwealth University. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Uh, officer Allen and uh, Lead Officer Trinard Collier, we thank you very much for your very, very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam & Company, but I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always, and I'm looking forward to being back with you again on Thursday. We have a lot to talk about at the uh, website today, however, so uh, make sure you check out BarionArms.com. We're talking about the uh, new gun ban in Washington State as well as the new lawsuit taking on the new gun ban in Washington State. Gun control measures including a red flag proposal up for a vote in the Minnesota House and more. Again, we've got you all covered at BarionArms.com. If you like what you see, I would encourage you to become a VIP member. Not only will you get the warm, fuzzy feeling of supporting the Second Amendment journalism we're doing at Burying Arms, but we'll give you exclusive content, news stories, and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you again for all of your support. We'll see you back here on Thursday. But until then, be well, be safe, and be free.